Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Welcome to another edition of BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I'm Vicky Barcelona, and again, we have Mr. BJ Shea. That's right, man. You can't get rid of me that easily. Ugh. You're like a cold sore. I am. Uh, with us as well, not like a cold sore, Joey Dees. I like it. Not like a cold sore. <laughs> you should have that on your business cards. Yes, not like father like son in this one regard. That's it. <laughs> but I know why BJ's here, Vicky. Why? Because he knows we're going to be talking a lot of Star Trek. Star Ooh. Trek. Lower Deck season finale, Prodigy season finale, and Picard leading into its final series. Woo, it's what? a Trek-filled episode. Oh, yeah. I'll give a little review of Avatar's The Way of Water. There's water involved, right? Spoiler. Oh, alert. you saw that. I did, yes. Oh. We'll have a board game review from BJ, as well as some Vicky B comic book talk, and of course, the geek sheet as well with Vicky. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. Finally, more. <laughs> or just search BJ Shay's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app. Odyssey, 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 Odyssey. I love Odyssey. To find us. Almost as much as I love my apps. Apps, apps, appy apps. Happy hour apps are the best apps. I was about to ask, are you talking about food apps or apps on your phone? Both. Okay, fair. Because when I order my food apps, I play apps on my phone to try to get free appetizers, usually via the restaurant's lovely uh, system. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Where it's like, download our app and we'll give you free mozzarella sticks. And then I'm like, well, you know what? That's all it takes. <laughs> I know this isn't uh, our normal content, but if you're in Canada, they don't call appetizers apps. They call them appies. Mm. And it bugs me. <laughs> it really oh, I'm, I'm for, I think what is, the Men's Room, uh, for those of you who don't know, our local Seattle uh, radio station mm-hmm. has a program called the Men's Room. They do an appy hour I'm, as well. Yes, because you can listen to it on the app. It's supposed to be a play on words. But like when someone's like, let's order some appies. I'm like, what are you, 12? Like. I don't know. That was just a weird thing that bugs me. And when, That's Canada, baby. When I'm like, well, the, what do you call them? Like, we call them apps. Like, like the thing on your phone? No, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, well, fair point. We've had appetizers <laughs> a lot longer than we've had apps. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Very appetizers. Well. You know who doesn't argue about appetizers? People on Star Trek Lower Decks. Because they can just hollow whatever crap they want. Oh, hollow yeah, deck, hollow awesome. order. That is a, uh, a hell of a segue, sir. <laughs> an attempt. I'm yeah. here for it. Yeah, Food did. processor, replicator, what do they call them? Yeah, that's replicator is it. There we go. Yeah, you, you know what? You get all the apps then. That's right. Uh, BJ Star Trek Lower Decks had its season finale. What would you think? Yeah, well, I love, I lo- uh, the, yeah, season three, hard to believe. That, and the guys, some of the creative teams behind Rick and Morty are the guys behind um, Star Trek Lower Decks, mm-hmm. and uh, as well as big Star Trek fans. So, yes, uh, another great season. It started off with the captain of the Cerritos in big trouble. And uh, what was really wonderful is that sometimes in the world of any sort of uh, space adventure, the government is bad, and therefore they've got to go and do something about it. Like, thanks, Starfleet. They're they're wrong about this. My mother didn't do anything. And then and so uh, Mariner, who is the main character in the show, one of the four people in the lower decks working. You know, you don't ever see the lower decks people. You always get to see the upper decks command people. So this follows those folks around. Mariner happens to be the daughter of the captain of this ship, and her mom gets arrested for things that she didn't do. But but her but basically all the all of the officers tell Mariner. Don't worry. Let the system play out. Justice will prevail. The Federation's a pretty darn good system. Mariner's like, no, we got to rescue her. And so she and her cohorts run around and try to do stuff and breaking rules and whatever. And 
Of course, none of that works. They get in trouble. Oh, and then her mom gets off the hook because actually the system worked. They found out she was innocent, just like everybody said she was. And so she's like, oh, I guess I probably should have just. So her mom has to bail her out of all the trouble, even though Mariner thought she was doing a good job. And that's how the season started. Lots of great episodes in that. Um, And uh, it is just such a fun show. I, I just love it. It's a great adult cartoon. By adult, I mean it's you know it's 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 written for adults. Does that mean there's swearing involved? A little bit. Okay. Yeah, uh, a little bit. But you know, I, nothing that should scare you away. And um, if you're a Star Trek fan, man, this is a wonderful addition to the Star Trek universe. And uh, it is called Star Trek Lower Decks. Third season was a good one, Joe. Do we know if we're getting a fourth? Yes, I believe we are. Oh boy. Yes. I, 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 I last I heard, I could be wrong, but I really thought I read what we're getting a fourth. That wouldn't surprise me. I do hear a lot of great things about this, not just from you, but from all the people in the board game groups as well. Yeah, yeah, it's uh the the animation is good, the acting is good, the writing is good and uh it's a fun it's just a fun show and they really respect Star Trek. So even though there's humor, there's some really cool adventures where you go, okay, and they go and do some deep dives and deep digs with some of the characters like uh th- this year they had um Oh, I'm thinking actually there was another show that did this, but uh, well, it's a good blend if you want to go into the Prodigy had their season finale. Yes, they did. Uh, and this was a really long season. You, they, you'd think they could have called this season two, but they said, no, this is still season one. And it had like, I feel like it had like 18 episodes or something. 18? Yeah, for one season, but it's gone on for a while. So, uh, and I love what they're doing. Prodigy is much more of a kid's show where uh, basically you're not going to get the edgy language uh, and the characters are all children, basically, or young young people. And, uh, of course, um, Janeway is in it. And this season, or the second half of the season, they had uh, Jane, the real Janeway, Admiral Janeway, who we saw a little bit of in the last episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Uh, we get to see Admiral Janeway. We've only seen an emergency command hologram Janeway. And I have to say... Uh, boy, they did a great job with that because, you know, uh, it, it, Janeway was definitely different. You know, no doubt about it. Uh, she was different in both. Uh, Kate Mulgrew was able to give us a hologram sort of persona. And then she gave us the real Janeway persona. And you're like, oh, whoa. OK, good job. Didn't they have a, a Star Trek Generation episode where Jordy does that with uh, one of the scientists? Like he creates a hologram of her. And he like falls in love with the hologram, and oh, the real scientist yeah. shows up, and she's like, "I don't like you, man." Yeah, Leia Brahms. Yeah, and that and they paid that off. Where yeah, you saw that in like season say four, and then Leia Brahms, the real one, shows up in like season six or something, and she's nothing that like the hologram program put her together. Yeah, so yeah. I get that. It's a cool storyline. Yeah, and of course we know about the emergency medical hologram, the doctor, famous in Star Trek Voyager. So they have they have all these, and you saw all the holograms that were created for Picard. Yep. Uh, you know, so this um. This also had in, in this season they had uh, the outrageous Okuna who was from Star Trek: The Next Generation. He was in one episode, kind of this rogue guy running around. The women liked him. He was a bad boy, a con artist, and he shows up in one of the episodes of Star Trek: Prodigy. And I thought, what a great dig! That was a deep dig that you didn't have to know that. Nobody had to know that, but I knew that, and I'm like, all right, they went they went all the way back to next gen for this character, uh, having him show up and uh, hang out with the kids. And uh, Prodigy's a fun show. It, it, it basically these kids find themselves in a, a you know really like slaves for this horrible dude, and this horrible dude has stolen a starship that um, is a prototype, and the kids somehow get a hold of the starship and they take it and run around the galaxy with it. And it, it came to its conclusion, and it was a really fine conclusion to the point where 
one of the kids was an augment, and they all wanted to join Starfleet, and the kid couldn't get in because he was an augment because they have rules about basically genetic engineering, and that's been in the Star Trek world for a while, all the way back to Khan. They were like, yeah, ever since Khan, we're not letting you genetically engineer anything. And so the kid was really disappointed. He didn't know he was an augment. He just didn't, he didn't know what he was. Uh, and he got back to the Alpha Quadrant. And, but then Janeway makes a great speech, very similar to the speech that Picard made about data in the episode The Measure of a Man. What is it? If, if the Federation can't let him in, isn't he the greatest example of the Federation? Is his DNA has pretty much got Romulans and Klingons and Tellarites. He's got everything in him. That's what the Federation is. Let the kid in. And uh, they did let him in. And so next season, we're going to get to see them with Janeway boldly go in Starfleet. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, it was a great way to introduce kids to the world of Star Trek. You don't have to know anything about Star Trek to actually like this show. It was uh, So I don't know if they ever put it on Nickelodeon. It's been on Paramount Plus, but they always throw the show that Nickelodeon bubble, like a Nickelodeon production. So I hope Nickelodeon gets this show someday if they haven't already, because it is a great kid show and a great way to... Introduce your young ones to the world of Star Trek. I like it. Well, if you don't have young ones, but you are looking for the older generations of Star Trek, we do have... Oh, I see what you did. Star Trek, the old generation. The old generation coming back for the (sighs) season finale, the last season of Picard. It is uh, already done. It's coming out very soon. The uh, the 16th of February. Wow. So I don't know where you are when you're listening to this fine podcast, but the 16th of February, 2023... Season three, episode one will drop on Paramount Plus. Oh man, I want to say I have my hopes up, but after last season of Picard, where we did CSI Picard, I nearly fell out of my seat. I fell asleep one episode. I will say the trailer has brought back all the old stars, so yes. it could be good. It's going to be nostalgia, and we forget that they recorded season two during the pandemic stuff. And I think they made the best out of a bad situation, but I'm with you. It was a lackluster season, even though the the way they resolved the Q-Picard relationship, I liked. But again, the whole season was lackluster because of all of this CSI stuff. I liked Guinan, the young Guinan. There were parts that I really liked. I liked the uh, Romulan, uh, the, the Romulan uh, woman that looked like the Romulan from the first season, but she was a completely different person. I liked seeing sort of like totalitarian dictatorship federation. Did so, you like Picard stuck in a wine cellar for 9,000 mm, hours? Like I said, I like parts <laughs> of the season. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really want to see more kick-ass uh, Seven of Nine and not Seven of Nine going, we're in a gunfight and we're just going to sit behind this box. I really, like, okay, fine. There's no uh, way we could get out of this situation alive. Cut to the next scene. My God, off screen's amazing, isn't it? I don't know how we survived. Yeah. Um, <laughs> gonna, I'm, sad, I'm sad we're going to, we're missing Rios because uh, Rios gets, you know, basically sent back in time. And that's, I really liked his character. So, and I really liked all of his holograms. So I'm going to miss him. But yeah, you said they're bringing back everybody. Uh, Lore is going to be in it. So uh, you wonder how Brent Spiner was going to be in it since Data ha- is dead since Star Trek Nemesis. Uh, Lore. Uh, is his his evil brother from the first season of Star Trek: The Next Generation and subsequent seasons as well? Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. Uh, like you know, crazy lore. What's he been up to? I kind of want to know. Yeah, I mean that's wild. I, he was always funny because they did such a great job. The fact that he had a tick. Yes. And that's how you could tell the difference between him and Data because he was always like he's pretty good at imitating Data. You know, they are both androids. 
Yeah, it looks like he, it looks like now he's decided. You know what? I'm tired of this sort of golden complexion. I'm going to try to look a little bit more human, uh, which we did get to see with some of the Soong, uh, whatever your androids from uh, season one of Picard. So uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm looking forward to it. It is f- wild to see all the next gen characters looking older because I remember when next gen came out and all the original series characters looked a little older when they were doing their movies, and now you're like, oh my gosh. They're as old as Kirk and old McCoy and old Spock. They're all, whoa. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, and also, the uh, Will Wheaton got a nice little sort of uh, bring back for last season of Picard. I like that as well. Yeah, and you know, it, that was a great character for him to play, too, because he yeah. really did become beloved in the Star Trek universe after you know having the unfortunate uh, character he played in Next Gen. And, he, and, and Will, here's the trouble with Will is that he's hosting the after show, you know, the Ready Room. So he really he has to keep his appearances close to the vest. So people ask him, "Hey, you're gonna be in?" He goes, "Well, you know." So will he be in season three? He's a traveler. It's like that's the easiest character to put anywhere you want in the Star Trek universe. I would love to see Will Wheaton show up on every darn Star Trek show there is because the traveler can do anything. Uh, and um, you know these interesting, which I guess those beings. I guess they're similar to what that Romulan woman was, as well as uh, Gary Seven. I guess they're all tying that all together. Gary Seven from the original series. Uh, so as far as like, are they travelers? Are they what? Who knows? But I love how they bring all this stuff together. I dig it. Um, and I'm looking forward to it, oh, at least for the nostalgia's sake, to see everybody in it. The final run, man. You know Riker's going to be great. Riker's always great. Yeah, I think the, I think the original cast will be good because they already have that chemistry. And that stuff never really dies even if years go by. And Worf's a pacifist, apparently. Oh my! I think gosh. I remember seeing something like that. Like this is the trouble: is Worf is not like he's I'm done fighting. It's like what? That would be some great comedy. Uh, a Klingon pacifist is got, is enough for me to go. All right, let me see how this works out. Well, we're gonna give it a shot regardless. I'm excited now. You've got me. You brought me back. My hopes are back up. Woo! All right, but uh, I did get to watch a movie over this last weekend. One that uh, most people have liked, but not many were pumped around my friend group for it. Hmm. That was Avatar, The Way of Water. Joe, it's breaking all sorts of records with box office money that it's bringing in. I have not seen a bad review of this from people who have seen it. And you're right, though. I have no desire to see it. Mm. I don't understand it. And it's a supposedly a beautiful alien world. What is wrong with me? Am I right to not want to see it, or am I a crazy person? No, I think you're right, especially for since you saw the first one and your demographic. I realized something after I sat down in the movie theater watching this. This is the perfect kids movie. It's wild. I would not have thought about it. Yeah, because I was always like, well, there's gunfighting and there's violence. But the story is really generic and basic. And the kind of way they shoot it, it's like almost like a nature show. Except that they've wrapped a mediocre plot around it. Oh, boy. And then you get to go on this journey through essentially a alien jungle. And that's what it is, right? Like, And they'll splash in some like fight scenes and stuff for you, which I'll get to later. But if you're like a kid and you're like, well, would you, why do you want to go see Avatar? He's like, well, because it's this cool world and it's 3D. And I get to sit there for three and a half hours. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah. And I'm like, that makes sense. Because when I was younger, I think Avatar came out maybe when I was in my late teens. Uh I, I wanted to see it for the 3D. I was like, oh, this 3D movie is going to be mind-blowing. See it in IMAX. See the Pacific Science Center, which is like our big IMAX theater. And it was. It was something I hadn't seen before. And I thought about it. I'm like, if I was that same age or even a little younger, right, and I had never seen like a, a really well-done 3D movie, because outside of Marvel, there aren't a whole lot of them. 
this would be the perfect movie. That's why it's made $2 billion or whatever it's done. Well, James Cameron knows how to make a good 3D movie. I'll give him that. He does. And now, let's talk about the plot. The plot is hilarious. Spoiler for anyone who doesn't want to know anything about it, because it's the exact same. It's no joke. Oh, my god! In the first hour, really? you know the bad guy who gets killed? Yes. Yes. They bring him back in Avatar 4. Of course. Oh, really? He's an Avatar he's, dude? He's the bad guy. He's an Avatar okay. now. Okay. He's the captain now, BJ. Well, so is he a good guy because he's Avatar, is he, or is he bad guy in sheep's clothing? Oh, he's a bad guy. Oh, that's fantastic. So pretty much what's happened is humans got their ass kicked. They got defeated. 30 years goes by. They try to recolonize the planet again, except this time they're they're still colonizing and they haven't fought yet, but they want to infiltrate the uh, the Avatar people again. Okay. So they figure this time the best way to do it is to send the colonel in Avatar form. Oh, the guy that failed. Yes. All right. The yeah. guy literally was defeated, but you know what? This time, if he's an Avatar guy, he surely won't fail. So he's hunting. He's looking after our main character again, because why not, right? You know, his his goal, he's got to defeat the, the general, because he was the one who started the uprising in the last one and oh, won. Of course. So he decides, all right, I'm going to go after him. So they're hunting, and well, our main character decides, you know what? I got to save my people. And the only way for me to do that is to go into exile. Oh, that's... You run away from your people. I'll run away and travel across oh. the world to the water people where they'll, they'll hide me. I'm not sure that's a... How could you sell that at the meeting? Guys, we're about to get attacked, but I know how to save you. How's that, sir? I will run away. Yep. <laughs> yep. But after that happens, the movie's pretty cool because then they're with the water people. And, and, you know, the general's spending his time trying to figure out where he went. He doesn't know. Oh, so the water people are a whole new bunch of people. Oh, yeah. So essentially the Avatar people are blue. Okay. And the water people are like light green. Oh, so we never even saw these folks in the first movie. Nope. Oh, so, we, well, all right. It's sort of like the Gungans and, uh, you know, and then Prince and the Padme. Yeah. The, the Padme people. Padme. <laughs> Padme's people. And so then yeah. from that point, just run the entire Avatar 1 story right through and you're good. <laughs> oh, congratulations, Except James Cameron. You yeah. made a skillion dollars, and yeah. you didn't have to really do much writing. Yeah. Uh, now, I will say this. For a three-and-a-half-hour movie, it blew by. It was still very fun to watch because it's just a journey, and you're just on it, and you're right in the water. So if I don't watch this in 3D, is this not going to be as good? Yeah, I would definitely recommend watching See, it in 3D. The, oh, that's the problem. I have to go sit in a movie theater. Like some movies, I'll go, you know, i got a big screen TV. I'll wait for it at home. I think I do have a 3D like, my TV is kind of 3D, but I've never used it in that mode. So, all right, got to figure that out. <laughs> you need the IMAX for the surround sound. Oh, damn it. And, I mean, it is really enjoyable, but you have to like it. Like, that's the thing. is like, if you're a person, like, if say you like Fast and the Furious movies, right? If you know you like car movies, you're going to like Jason Statham movies. Because you know what Fast and the Furious is, and Jason Statham's that kind of actor. You know, he's going to be driving, you know, cars. You go see a different movie. That's what yes. If you're going to go see Avatar, do you like other movies that are like Avatar? Because if you don't, right, you're not going to enjoy it. If you're looking for the Inception movie where you're like, oh, it's got a great plot and there's going to ask you questions, that's not Avatar. Oh, it's not Avatar? <laughs> no, Avatar oh, does one dang. thing. It's very pretty. <laughs> yeah, well, I know there's going to be water in it because they told me that that's the yeah. way. Ex exactly. Yeah. I, now, the, like, I don't think it's as mind-blowing as the first one because we've had the first one already. That's the, that's the issue is that, yeah. yeah, but you still think it's gorgeous on the screen. But it's been long enough 
that there's yeah. enough people that didn't get to see it in theaters where now when you're watching it in 30s and 3D, you're like, wow, this is this is some top-level stuff. And the technology's got to be better, so, yeah. so yeah. it's probably even looks better than the first yeah. one. And then, uh, for whatever reason, James Cameron decided that the last hour of the movie needed to be one one action scene. So you get an entire hour-long battle at the end of the Oh, uh, the, an hour-long battle? Just about. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Felt like that. At least a half hour. Dang. All right. And well, then, it's yeah. it's hard to argue because the critics actually give it. I mean, in Rotten Tomatoes and the people, there's. I mean, it's like in the seventies, isn't it? Seventies, eighties, or something like that. If I'm not mistaken, that sounds Avatar right. Yeah, is eighty two percent tomato meter, eighty two audience score. Yeah, so I mean, it's weird because I you what you said is what I suspected it would be, and. So, and then I, I mean, uh, and in fairness, I watched the pitch meeting with Ryan George. I thought, well, <laughs> yes. I'll watch that instead. I don't know what else do I need to know. And Ryan pretty much said what you said, you know, and as far as like, hey, if you're going for the script, guess what? Not going to, they didn't put a $40 skillion into the script. No, not um, at all. Yeah. And okay. Well, people love it. He's making money. Who am I to argue with that? And that's the thing is, I, I think it's fine because. Especially if you think 3D. If this was not a 3D movie, I'd question some of the decisions simply because it's like, well, what are you doing that's really special? But this movie was shot for 3D. So you do get a lot of cool scenes that you don't normally get in movies. And I think because they're like well spread out throughout the movie, you do feel like you're constantly engaged. So it's like, oh, okay, I see this is what's going on now. Oh, okay, I see why they did it this way. And so, like, and the plot moves on along. Fairly fast enough so that you don't get bored either. And, I mean, it's just – it's the cheesiest stuff. It's uh, so funny, but it works. Let me ask you, uh, does the uh, generous – does the, 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 the Avatar commander they brought back, yes. the bad guy, does he win? No, but he also doesn't die. Oh, my – they can't – they can't sign him up for the same job for the third movie. The guy's got a bad track record. Pick, pick any, uh, any other leader – to infiltrate the planet. He can't get it done. Well, I'll, I did I did think the same thing, and I did wonder, I'm like, why is this story not resolving? And then it clicked to me. He's making two more of these movies. Oh, boy. So that's why this story oh. isn't anywhere near complete. There will be two more avatars, and I will watch them both. Does that actor have a signed con? Like, he's just got to be in the movies no matter what? Because He's all CGI now. Oh, and he's all CGI to the boot. Oh, my. Because so, he's blue. Yeah, so <laughs> he, you know what? He can be, yeah, because he's probably a lot older now that I think about it. Yep. He was a, an older guy back then. All right, well, Avatar, way of the water. So I'll tell you this. You got a weekend. You got a, you know three hours you want to burn, and you like to be entertained. You like good CGI. You like 3D. This is your movie. All right. You want to plot? Go see any other movie. <laughs> so that's my review. All right. And I think 80% is about where I put it. Seven, eight. That's what I, that's Wow. What I, Even without a plot, you give it that high. Okay. Because yeah. well, I knew what I was getting. Maybe you don't need a plot for some movies. You don't need a plot for all movies. Just three hours is a long time to not have a plot. You do have mm. to go to the bathroom. I did run to the bathroom like once or twice. Yeah, see, and I have the Run P app, so I guess, see, that's... Uh. Well, moving along from Great Blue People yes. to Vicky B and a new potential comic book she's reading. Whoa, wait, I, what? So I ordered this over the weekend, but uh, delivery was delayed, so I didn't get to read it because it literally came in last night. <laughs> so it took a while to get to me. I'm just kind of upset with myself because I didn't realize this came out a while ago. Oh, really? So this is an old book. Yes. So, how, how old? So the uh, single issues came out like in 2020. Oh, so we're talking 10 years old, this bad boy. 10, 12, 13. Okay. 2020? 2020? No, that was a couple years ago. Three years ago. Oh, I'm thinking 2010. I no, heard no, the whole no, no, wrong no, no, thing. No, 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 no. Okay, so it's not that old then. No, but I when I bought when I got it and bought it, I thought it just came out. Uh, the trade came out last year, almost a year ago. Or oh, no, excuse are, me, excuse me, two years ago. You're now, way dude. behind, man. This is the first spinoff from the Umbrella Academy. It is? This Ta- is Gerard Way stuff? 
Tales from the Umbrella Academy, You Look Like Death, Volume 1. I totally didn't know about this either. Yes, that's why I'm upset with myself. This is a spinoff series about Klaus. And Klaus. How, yeah, I'm just so upset with myself that I didn't know this beforehand. Well, how, but yeah, but how about now that your mistake has given you plenty to read now? Yes, so it just came in last night, so I'm hoping to read it before the next uh, edition of BJJ's Geek Nation. Well, I'm hoping that when you're done reading it, you pass it along to your friend BJ then. Yeah, it's, it's both on Kindle Comixology uh, for $11.99, paperback $11.49, which I got the paperback. But it's when 18-year-old Klaus gets himself kicked out of the Umbrella Academy and his allowance discontinued, he heads to a place where his ghoulish talents will be appreciated. Hollywood. But after a magical high on a stash stolen from a vampire drug lord, Klaus needs help and doesn't have his siblings there to save him. Well, this is... The Klaus character is interesting... I mean, I don't know how interesting I found him to be uh, in the in the books, and I just I, I recently reread them all mm-hmm. because I just love Umbrella Academy. Uh, definitely, Robert Sheehan's portrayal of Klaus mm-hmm. made me really like the character a whole lot more. And there's actually a forward done by Robert Sheehan in this, ah, so that's kind of nice. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I had no idea this was a thing. I hope they do him with uh, more of the characters. We, and for those who don't know, we do have one more season of Umbrella Academy coming out. That's going to wrap everything up. I'm happy. That's the yes. final season. I'm so happy they're letting that the, 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 this is happening. I was I was about to get mad at Netflix. Yeah, because they, they, they've done that, uh, that and a few other shows that they just end them and I did not get a wrap up. Yeah. Well, sounds like, Vicky, you have weekend plans. Oh, yeah, I do. That's nice. That's good. We had some weekend plans last weekend, BJ, playing some board games, actually. Shout oh. out to Josh Stilts and the board game The Boys. This is going to hurt. We got to play that. I defeated Homelander. That was awesome. Whoa. But I know you have been playing a lot of other board games Dude, as you, well. You know, you're just going to gloss over the fact that I was one point away. <laughs> I was one point away from defeating Homelander, and then I didn't, and you yeah, did. Yeah. The luck of the dice were not on your side. No, they weren't. But uh, if you like the boys and you like that IP, uh, man, uh, this this game is just uh, it's it's just nutso chaos, but you get to control so many characters from the boys. And this is using the art of Derek Robertson, so this is not from the team. TV show. This is the universe. Well, kind of the universe from the comics. Uh, but and and um, boy, it was just crazy. And if you love Chuck and Dice, and like I said, it came down to the last. I mean, it came down to. The, I really thought I had it. I thought it, and I thought it was trailing the whole game. And I almost pulled it out. But Joey's strategy of actually playing games well uh, really came through. Yes, and the luck of the dice, of course, also help. But you have been playing other board games, BJ. Yeah, I have lots of board games, and I and I wanted to talk about this because we I mentioned it that it was coming out. I finally got a chance to play it, and it's Twilight Inscription, made by the good folks at Fantasy Flight Games. And you'd be like, huh, I know the first name. Twilight sounds very familiar. And you might wonder, is that part of the Twilight Imperium universe? It is. If you've heard of a game, uh, a, a type of game called Roll and Writes, it's where you roll dice and then you'll write things down. Like basically Yahtzee is the is the, pretty much the OG Roll and Write. Uh, this is a roll and write game, but this one they give you uh, uh, basically washable markers, <laughs> and you've got four big shiny boards. There is so much symbolism and iconography on there. Your brain would go, "Whoa, what?" But actually, it's a very simple game to play, and it takes Twilight Imperium, and you know what? You get that Twilight Imperium experience. 
you get it done in a couple hours. Oh, with that's this, good. With this roll and write. Because Twilight Imperium takes like a day. It's, a, it's, like. it's definitely a long game, the original game. And if you play with me, it's even longer. Um, but Twilight Inscription is a real cool way of basically doing a 4X game, but it's all about just rolling dice, and then you will just circle different things on your different boards. You'll have four different boards. One's about space travel. One's about planet uh, colonization. The other one's about commerce. And then finally, there's a warfare board. And you're going to be just choosing a board every, every turn and rolling dice and then uh, you will do whatever you can with the uh, symbols and they're really cool because the dice have symbols and they mean different things on each board so even though you on your turn joe you might choose the commerce board i might choose the space travel board and the dice will still do something for you but it'll do something different for me but they're the same symbols on the die oh interesting okay yeah and they're very very clever they still have all of the race the factions so you'll start off with a different asymmetrical thing that i will and you can the way you circle things will give you asymmetrical uh you know basically a succession in the game which will be different than mine so you will further your own progress differently than I will do mine, and you have different different ways to try to win. Will I go commerce, or will I go colonization of planets, or will I just be all about warfare? You can do this in this game, and it'll give you a very 4X-like experience in much shorter time. And then you just wipe the board clean, and you're ready for the next game. Oh, that's easy. How'd you do? I know you probably played. I did very badly. I uh, thought I was doing really well. <laughs> I really did. And, I rem- and then all of a sudden, people are getting these really high scores, and I'm like... Oh, wow. I really thought this game would be a much lower scoring game. I should have counted my victory points. I mean, I did, and I thought I had what I thought was the proper amount to be a front runner. I had the proper amount to be a back burner. Ah, Well, you know, you can't win them all, right? Uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, a very well done game, um, and, and and if you if you like Twilight Imperium, it's a definite get. You that, get this. That's Twilight Inscription? Yeah, yeah, it's called Twilight Inscription Fantasy Flight Games. Very portable. You can bring it with you to cons. I think that's the other cool thing, too, is, is that if you're going to a con, and you're, it's so challenging to get a game of Twilight Imperium going uh, or bringing it with you. So, boom, you just put this out instead, and you, you scratch that same itch. I love it. That's great. Before we get to the geek sheet, Vicky sent me this mm-hmm. link, and I had a question about it because I have no idea what this is. Star Wars The Acolyte. We, I think we may have mentioned it quickly before, but I have already blanked about what it is, and Vicky has some news for us. It is one of the many uh, Star Wars shows that we're going to be getting, and you did mention that you thought um, Star Wars... Why am I, why am I blanking? Picard. No, no, no. Prodigy. Star Wars. Star, oh, no, you're, Star you're, Wars. You're uh, in the world of Star Trek, my Star friend. Trek. Star Wars. No, uh, Mandalorian. Boba no, Fett. The one that you really love. Uh, Andor. Andor, thank you. Andor. For some reason, my brain kept saying Bad Batch. I'm like, that's not right. Bad Andor. Batch is a good Star Wars show, too, though. But you were saying that's like the, the best one in the Star Wars best world. Best written Star Wars show I've seen, yes. So I don't know if this is going to be the best written Star Wars show, but it is going to be the best cast <gasps> Star Wars show. We have castings? Of all time. A huge casting in all of these all these actors are ridiculously talented. Uh, one being Amanda Stenberg, which if you don't recognize that name, she was Rue in the 2012's Hunger Games. That little girl Rue, she she portrayed it now. She's obviously an adult. Is that the is that the uh, sister of uh, Katniss? Who's Rue? No, Rue oh. is the, the girl. If you remember watching Hunger Games, uh, there was a little girl named Rue who was held, like in the trees and she was trying to save her and Katniss couldn't save her. Oh. She was out there fighting as wow. well in the Hunger Games. Oh, oh wow, yeah, I, I, I can't pull her up. But okay, I'm taking your yeah. word for it. She's good. Yeah, no, she was phenomenal in Hunger Games, and she's only been in more and more things, and I feel like this is going to uh, be a really great role for her. 
and another really awesome actor in this, Lee Jung Jae, who you may have recognized as the main actor in Squid Games. Oh, oh okay. So we have him. We have Daphne Keene from both uh, Logan, she played X-23, and His Dark Materials. Oh, okay. Uh, actress Jodie Turner-Smith. From uh, Without Remorse, Queen and Slim. I'm not too familiar with their work. Uh, but we also have Manny Jacinto, which we if you guys have ever seen, uh, he's been in Supernatural, Once Upon a Time, Bates Motel, as well as, oh, what's this show? I believe he was in The Good Place. All right. Uh, oh, that's Manny Jacinto? Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you mention? Did you mention? I don't know if you. I, I was. I was actually pulling up something on there. Did you mention the the the, uh, the Matrix scare? The Matrix lady. Well, that's lower on the list. Hold okay. On. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't want to take it away from you. Yeah, Charlie Barnett. Who, if you guys watch the Rush, Russian Doll show on Netflix, they have two seasons out. I haven't seen the second season, but after watching oh, the first Charlie. season, phenomenal, and he was great in that as well. Dean Charles Chap- Chapman. Hmm. Do you guys recognize that name? He may have uh, jumped out of a window on a TV series. Oh, I do not. Oh, uh, he was a Lannister. Oh, no. really? Yeah, Tom and Baratheon. Okay. Yeah, well, he's also going to be in it, and then yes, Carrie Ann Moss also going to be in the Star Wars family as well. Who oh, you? Yeah, a lot of these people looks like at least what I'm looking at, they have one episode appearances, but Daphne has got all eight. It looks mm-hmm. like she's going to be in. It's it's going to be one of those that's going to have a ridiculous cast, and I'm excited to see what these uh, actors can bring to the table. And is, is this going to beat out Andor in the best written? Is series? this live action? I believe it is. Oh wow! Because that's the only I don't know. I can't I can't really tell from what I'm looking at if it is, and I don't know much about Star. I don't even know. Do we know what he, I don't even know what it's about. I have no idea either. Mm. I mean, the acolyte makes it sound like it's not an apprentice, but an acolyte. <laughs> Yeah, it's so we. Yeah, I mean, an acolyte is a disciple, a follower. If you if the, by the translation, I think. Uh, but I don't know if they're a high level. I don't think they're high level within no. the, the whatever. Uh, so it's is, uh, part of the Star Wars franchise set at the end of the High Republic era before the events of the main Star Wars films. Oh, it's a High Republic situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Which is. In the latest episode of Bad Batch, or one of the latest episodes, they uncover a, de- a destructive death machine that they said predates every, like they said, this is way older than the Republic, way older than the Empire. So I wonder if they're really going to start leaning into that. A lot of the video game people know about the old Republic. So this show is going to lean into that, and I wonder if we're going to get to see the people that made that destructive machine that the Bad Batchians just found. Oh, that's cool. And it looks like, uh, so television writer Leslie Hedlin had been asked if she had any interest in working in the Star Wars franchise, and she said she was a big fan and had many ideas, and uh, she said she uh, wanted to make, it. the thing she wanted to make was like an all-female-centric Star Wars series, and this is probably, this is kind of what it's looking like it's going to be. Oh, yeah, you're right, because I'm mm -hmm. seeing all the main actors, and you're right, and they're mostly female. And I'm not really, it's not really saying much on like huge premise except for the fact like it is set at the end of the high republic area uh and the world of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers so 100 years before star wars episode one wow i do believe the old republic that like the like yeah the jedi were just kicking mm-hmm. butt or or i guess or, or the, the light side folks it's also looking like a former padawan reunites with her jedi master to investigate a series of crimes but the forces they confront are more sinister than they ever anticipated. Oh, boy. Dun, dun, dun. Got so, something to look forward to. So Daphne Keene must be the Padawan. 
potentially that That's I would think cool. but also it could all uh it could be Amanda Stenberg fr- who was Rue from uh Hunger Games she could also oh, be Oh okay yeah We don't know We don't know who's who We shall find out but well, well, until then, we'll have to wait and find out, Vicky. Yeah, principal photography didn't happen or didn't start until like end of last year, so I think it's still going to be a little bit. Ah, well, we got time. But I like that casting news. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. Gets you pumped up for some more stuff in the Star Wars universe. Great yeah, people. hopefully it's written as well as Andor. That's the. Mm-hmm. I mean, because yes. this old Republic stuff is they're they're touching a world that I don't know. So the videos, some of the gamers know, but or or people have written you know read the books. I haven't done any of that, so this will be totally new to me. I hope that world is cool. Fingers crossed. But until then, we have to get to the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, it's the Geek Sheet. What you got for us? So normally we talk about TV shows, comic books, books, you movies. Know, movies. What's something we don't really talk too much about is music. Oh, okay. A little music for us. Mm-hmm. And BuzzFeed actually came out with a list of mu- like songs that recently were brought back to life because of a TV show or a movie. Oh, yes. I mean, of course, obviously, there's we, we the latest the latest we know. The t- it's like, got to be on the list. Oh, yeah. There is one show, especially one season, this last season, that brought two songs back into the front light. And that would be Stranger Things. Yep. Both Metallica, Master of Puppets, which was originally released in 1986, and came back in 2022 because of Eddie's performance of the song. Yep. And apparently it said Metallica crashed into the top 40 for the first time in 14 years. Wow. Not too bad wow, wow, for wow. a band that didn't have to do anything to, to do that either. It's I mean, not like they, they had to write a song because it was already there. I mean, they didn't have to record it. It was one of those, like, they've all they've been around and people who love Metallica will always love Metallica. But this brought, like, fresh eyes to Metallica, like youngsters or people who maybe not wanted to dabble into the metal rock universe were able to appreciate it it is so weird for a person my age thinking that somebody discovered metallica for the first time in that season of stranger things just insane right uh they also obviously do have the uh the kate bush song uh in the stranger things that definitely uh went number one on the several music charts uh, song was everywhere yeah yeah. which is funny because before that i had heard i I believe it was bishop briggs did a cover or one of the those uh, musicians did a cover of running up that hill and i I, oh it was meg myers and i absolutely loved it and then this version came out the og version came out and everyone was loving it and i felt like a hipster like i was listening to it but you know the you are a hipster who are you the cover version uh, we did talk about Umbrella Academy earlier today. They did point out one song, but that wasn't the song I was thinking of. But maybe the song I was originally thinking was already big or maybe not or didn't get enough pub. But this was Kiss, I Was Made for Loving You, which was originally released in 1979 and came back in 2020. So this would be for the second season of Umbrella Academy. Yeah, man. Isn't that wild? Mm-hmm. Again, how many people being introduced to Kiss? Mm-hmm. They were as big as anybody could be big when I was growing up. You couldn't be. They were the thing. They were it. They were, I mean, they pissed off all the other musicians because they were just <laughs> with, you know, with their with their gimmick, they always would say. And uh, it's amazing to think that some people were just discovering as I'm like, well, who are these two guys? Well, apparently after the appearance of episode four on season two of Umbrella Academy back in July of 2020, Kiss's 1979 rock hit suddenly had a peak of streams, 4.3 million and 4,000 digital downloads in the following month. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> and again, they had to do nothing for that. Nope. nope. This is... Probably maybe one of the greatest movie music scenes of all time. And I think they've actually said that this really helped the song and the band out a lot. 
And this is back in 1992 when they played Bohemian Rhapsody in, um, oh crap, I just skipped through it. Wayne's World. Wayne's World, yeah, sorry. Oh yeah, it surely did. And then apparently it also obviously shot back into the records in 2018 when the movie Bohemian Rhapsody came out. That makes sense. Yeah, it's just insane. Again, you know, I I had heard Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, but when I was growing up, not a huge Queen fan at the time. And all of a sudden, Wayne's World comes out and boom, the song is everywhere. So one of my favorite things about the content that was coming out during the peak pandemic time was a lot of the interviewers that uh, interviews that were going on, like from Zoom of all these celebrities. And there was one where they had like the whole cast of Wayne's World and they were talking to like some of the uh, living members of Queen. And I think it was Brian or Brian May, maybe. Yeah, Brian May. Thank you. Was saying something like they got a early version of a Wayne's World to Freddie Mercury before he died and he got to watch it and he actually enjoyed it. And so apparently Mike Myers did had no idea of this. And so being told this back in like 2020, many, many years after, you know, the premiere of Wayne's World, he's like, really? Like, I had no idea. Like, and it was really touched. And I thought that was a really cool piece of information. Well, that is so wild to think that you did that with that iconic scene and never, never knew that the dude, Freddie Mercury, got Mm -hmm. to see that scene. You Like all these years, you never knew that. Yeah. Uh, Another one that got uh, a lot of pub. And it's kind of interesting because... We work for a rock station. That's our day job. So this is a, like we hear in, in Seattle. We hear a lot of Nirvana, but this isn't a song that we hear usually. It's not in our particular rotation. Something in the Way, which originally came out in 1991. And we just got again a resurgence of it in 2022 with The Batman. Oh, that was that main yes. song. Something yeah, like, yeah. Apparently, the number of on-demand streams in just the United States increased 734% in the first four days of the Batman's release. That does not surprise me. That's an <laughs> yeah. iconic one for that movie. It was yeah. played a lot, if I remember correctly, too. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. Uh, another one, Aerosmith Dream On, originally released in 1973 and came back in 2020 for both uh, The Umbrella Academy and The Boys uh, playing it as well. It received a bump of 10.9 million U.S. Uh, demand on-demand streams and 4,000 downloads. Steven Tyler's like, thank you. <laughs> I did nothing for this recently. Thank you. Do got a quick one to point out. It said, uh, oh, yeah, Kenny Loggins, Danger Zone, you know, got a resurgence back uh, in 2022. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, I get it with the new Top Gun movie. But I'm like, I feel like Archer did a lot for Danger Zone. Oh, yeah. I Come on, like, Danger, Danger Zone. Zone. Oh, that was great. But that movie was so good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And of course, on the list, they have uh, The Cramps as well as Lady Gaga, Bloody Mary from Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh, right. Yep. You can check out this entire uh, list on our Facebook page. And until next time, guys, stay nerdy.